This is HPR episode 2273 entitled Fountain Pens. It is hosted by M1RR05H4D35 and is about 23 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, in this episode, I cover some of the basics of fountain pens. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Listening to Hacker Public Radio, and I'm Mirror Shades, and today I'm going to talk about fountain pens. What? Yeah, I'm going to talk about fountain pens, and I'm not the first person to actually bring this up on HPR. Uh, it's been mentioned before by um, Dave Morris and Droops. I know both um, either mentioned them or done shows about them. Um, but yeah, I I am very much into technology, but there are certain pieces of older technology that I just find so fascinating. So uh, as into technology as I am, I, I still very much like to write on paper. Um, I don't know why, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one like that. I have a bunch of notebooks, a bunch of journals. Uh, there's something about the, the tactile sensation of, of writing. Uh, and, you know, your thoughts, at least for me, seem to flow a little better when I can just scribble them down in a notebook. <clears throat> so, all that aside, uh, why use a fountain pen? Um, and, and what is it? It's sort of the precursor to uh, modern ballpoint pens. So fountain pens used to be very common uh, in the U.S. and pretty much throughout the world. They, they're still you still see them probably more often than you think, but um, they are an older technology. Um, I I know, <coughs> excuse me. In in Dave's episode, he um, he went over some of the parts and uh, of a fountain pen. I'm, I'm going to just real briefly rehash just for the sake of um, brevity so you don't have to look around a bunch of different places. Uh, but there are, besides here, there's also a ton of YouTube videos out there that will go over all the parts. And if you actually just Google parts of a fountain pen and look at the images, there's actually diagrams. I'll see if I can find one of those to attach to the show notes. Don't, don't quote me on that. I may not be able to, but... Um, at any rate, there's some parts that you, you would recognize from any pen, the body or the barrel, um, the cap, the clip, 
Um, there's some other parts that um, you may not be as familiar with. The ends of the pin are usually referred to as the finial. And on some pins in the finial, the uh, manufacturer will put like, um, I don't know how to describe it, it's like a like a little disc or a button. It's, it's almost like a maker's mark. It just identifies the manufacturer of the pin. Um, there's also the section and the section is kind of the part that you hold with your fingers and attached to the section will be the feed, the nib, and whatever type of reservoir the pin uses. So um, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Uh, so basically the mechanism for how this works it, in the past it has been described as a controlled leak. So you have some kind of reservoir in the back that holds all the ink and it runs down the feed and is sort of delivered to the nib which is the metal part that touches the paper and uh, just as an aside here when you write with a fountain pen you have to kind of keep them in the same you you can't really twist it in your hand like you do a ballpoint um, you have to keep the the shiny part of the nib upright um, so doing that I find does force me to slow down just a little bit but that's a good thing uh, it it helps me to write a little plainer and a little clearer uh, I'll talk a little bit more about handwriting towards the end of this episode um, because I know a lot of times when people talk about uh, fountain pens they also talk about wanting to improve their handwriting so <clears throat> we'll get to that a little bit later um, now you know like many other kinds of technology um, fountain pens are moderately hackable um, there are some things you can do uh, to a fountain pen um, I'll get into some of that in a minute so uh, when we talk about some of the specifics of the individual parts um, so when we were talking about the reservoir a minute ago um, there's different kinds. Um, some of them are piston fillers, some of them are vacuum fillers, some of them use cartridges or converters and there's generally a couple of different kinds. Most all converters are piston type converters that plug in where a cartridge would go. Um, basically what converters allow you to do is a pin that's designed to work with an ink cartridge. Instead of buying the cartridges you can buy the ink in a bottle and then use the converter to fill the pen rather than having to buy a bunch of cartridges and use them. Um, the cartridges are kind of expensive actually. You're, you're just It's cheaper to buy it by the bottle. You get a lot more ink for a lot less money. Um, piston fillers and the vacuum type fillers are... Um, they, most of the piston fillers I think that I've seen out there generally use the entire body of the pen as the reservoir so uh, you'll pull up a piston and that evacuates all the air in the chamber and then you you dip the nib and feed into a bottle of ink and then push the piston down and that creates a vacuum and sucks a whole bunch of ink up inside the pen um, most of the vacuum type uh, non-piston ones um, you know, I don't see this too much on modern pens anymore. A lot of older pens. I have an old uh, Esterbrook pen 
that has this type of it's like a rubber bladder inside the pin and it's got a little lever on the side and when you pull the lever up it depresses that bladder and then when you dip you dip the pin in the ink and then when you release the lever it releases the bladder and creates kind of a vacuum and sucks a little bit of ink up in there it doesn't really work that good it works okay it doesn't suck up a whole lot of ink like you would expect it to um, at least it's not in been my experience it doesn't work as well as say a piston filler um, most of your most of your cartridge based this is the most common most fountain pens are generally designed to work with uh, ink cartridges and the converters you know I've had various levels of success they do their job um, generally uh, sometimes I have a on some pens they have trouble sometimes wanting to actually get the ink flow going through but once it's once you start getting the ink through it's it's not that hard to fill them uh, I said there's a couple of different kinds of converters because um, there are some that just pop on like the cartridges do and then there's some that are designed that where they uh, they actually have threads so you have to actually screw the converter into the section um, those are kind of nice. They keep the the converter on there pretty secure. Um, so a bit about the cartridges. So for the most part, most of your pens out there are going to use what's called international shorts. They're these kind of a standardized cartridge. It's the most common. Most pens will accept them. Uh, however, there are some pens by some manufacturers that are designed to work with only their ink cartridges, their proprietary cartridges. Uh, Schieffer is a company that does this. Parker is a company that does this. I think Pilot does it. Maybe Waterman. I can't remember. I think Waterman does it. Um, but that being said, a vast majority of them are just, just designed to use with uh, your standard international shorts. Most uh, ink companies sell uh, cartridges in international shorts so uh, also uh, some pins can be you can do what's called the eyedropper conversion on them and basically uh, you take a regular fountain pen that's designed to use uh, either cartridge or converter and you can uh, depending on the type of the way it's that's designed you can put a gasket and some grease on there and essentially use the whole body of the pen as the reservoir um, some people are really into that do you know modifying them that way uh, I generally don't modify my pens that much uh, there's also some modifications you can do to the nibs so I'm going to talk about uh, the nibs next um, the nib is the actual metal part that comes in contact with the paper uh, it's got a split down the middle and it creates two halves and those are called the tines like on a fork. Uh, it does end in kind of a little ball or blob that uh, allows the the nib to move smoothly across the paper. Um, the, you generally most companies will make nibs in several different sizes a lot of them will come in uh, extra fine, fine, medium, broad, extra broad, and some will even make triple broad. Uh, I don't know if there's an extra, extra fine. I've not seen those, 
but I haven't really seen too many triple broads either. I know they're out there, um, but I've not actually seen them. Um, and there's no real standard on that either. I'm just going to go out and say it. I have pins that are labeled uh, mediums that are really more like uh, a broad. And then I have some that are mediums that are what you would expect a medium to be. And then I, it, it, it's kind of all over the place. Um, generally, I would say if it's a more inexpensive pen, it's probably a lot of times they're just sold with a sort of generic medium nib. And usually that medium is more like a, I guess, a European broad. Um, that being said, uh, some not all but a good portion of fountain pens the nib and feed can be removed from the section and in some cases you can swap those um, most of the nibs I've seen on ones that are removable are fairly interchangeable a good way to tell if you want to swap a nib in one pen to another pen is look at their feeds if the feeds on the bottom are more or less identical, and they probably will be, they'd be very obvious, okay, if they are, um, then there's a good chance that the, the nib and the feed will interchange between those two pins. I actually had to do this on a pen of mine. I bought, it's the most expensive pen I own, which isn't saying much. Most of my pens are, are just cheapos, um, but I have a Monteverde Invencia Stealth. And this is normally like a $70 pen. I caught it on sale for $45 or $42 or something like that. And I really, really wanted it. So I went ahead and, and picked it up. And uh, it had a lot of issues getting it to, to write correctly. And uh, I even sent it back to Yaffa Pens to see, to have them look at it. And they couldn't find anything wrong with it. But it just did not want to write very good. And um, I suspected there was a problem with the feed and I turned it over and looked at it and so I'm going to tell you a dirty little secret of the pen world is that even on many of the very expensive pens the feeds on them are the exact same feeds that you'll find on cheap pens I, I suspect they all come out of the same factory somewhere in probably Southeast Asia they're probably just they're just little injection molded pieces of plastic so um, no real shock that they're identical but um, I swapped it out with the feed from a cheaper pen and now it writes just fine so I, I definitely think the the feed was the problem but now I have no feed for the other pen so I'm gonna have to probably track down or buy another one uh, not that big a deal they're not very expensive um, but you can also uh, besides swapping them out and changing them um, some people will uh, do, they'll grind the nib. Um, you can, you can kind of put a grind on a nib to smooth it out or modify it to your own handwriting. There's actually, I, I wouldn't really recommend doing this, just maybe a minor quick sanding or something to smooth it out if it's kind of rough or scratchy because uh, there's actually an entire art form behind nib grinding and you really you have to find one of these like I forget what they're called they're like nib masters or something that, that seriously that's what they're called 
and they they uh, have years of experience in grinding nibs and they usually have to have a handwriting sample so they can grind the nib to your style of writing um, but they uh, but yeah they, that's just another customization that can be done to a fountain pen um, the let's see Another thing I should probably mention is that there's different kinds of inks out there. Fountain pen ink is water-based. Uh, dip pens and fountain pens are not the same thing. Uh, do not ever try to fill your fountain pen with dip pen ink. Um, dip pen ink is very bright, very opaque, and it also contains a bunch of shellacs in it that are very bad for fountain pens. Um, so avoid those if the bottle doesn't say what kind of ink it is uh, I would avoid it for your fountain pen I actually have dip pens too I used to be I, I used to practice calligraphy a lot um, I was introduced to that at a very young age uh, so I I, I kind of know what to look for but um, yeah just be aware if you're buying ink for your fountain pen if you go out and buy a fountain pen uh, make sure you get fountain pen ink for it um, you can use fountain pen ink with a dip pen, but you cannot use dip pen ink in a fountain pen. Um, let's see. There's um, different levels of expense, like when it comes to the fountain pens, and the cost is all over the place. The cheapest fountain pen I ever bought, brand new, was like two dollars and twenty-five cents that was cheaper than a good ballpoint pen. Uh, the most expensive one, like I said, I paid $42 for is typically a $70 pen. I don't even know, I shudder to think what the most expensive fountain pen I've ever seen. Uh, if you go on Amazon and just do a search and then sort them, uh, sometimes you can find the ones that are made by jewelers and they cost like $90,000. Uh, that's a, obviously ridiculous, but um, I can almost promise you that a $90,000 fountain pen isn't going to write any better than, you know, a $100 fountain pen. Generally, when it comes down to uh, around the $100 to $150 range is probably the highest end as far as actual performance uh, you're going to get. Uh, some of the differences are in the resins that are used to make the pen itself, uh, the types of metals that are used, uh, some of the nibs. Uh, some of them are steel, some of them are made out of iridium, uh, some of them have gold. Um, there's even titanium nibs out there now. Um, I think most of mine are just steel or iridium. Um, But anyway, let's, uh, inks, there's, I don't know, uh, there are some expensive inks out there. I've seen some bottles of ink as high as almost $30 for a bottle, but your typical inks are going to run you about 10 bucks for a bottle, usually. Um, I know Private Reserve makes a whole line of all kinds of different colors. Uh, they're very reasonably, reasonably priced, anywhere from 7 to 10 bucks, and they're way cheaper than the cartridges. That's what a lot of people wind up using is, is private reserve I think uh, but there are some noodlers makes ink uh, Monteverde makes ink uh, I don't know there's a bunch of companies out there um, 
making um, paper is another thing uh, so your the tactile sensation of writing is going to change drastically depending on the kind of paper you are trying to write on um, some papers are very absorbent and sometimes I've seen like very coarse and absorbent paper something that's almost as coarse as construction paper but not as thick and it was very absorbent and ink just splotched all over it was terrible um, sometimes you see that with uh, very cheap notebook paper uh, I know sometimes the, the kind of notebook paper they sell um, in places like the dollar store or whatever can it can be it's okay with for a ballpoint pen but probably not your fountain pen uh, either you might have issues with ink bleed through or just splotching or it, it sometimes is kind of rough it's kind of ragged paper and uh, you won't get the smoothest feel writing on it um, paper can get expensive too uh, you know if you're willing to buy it uh, there's there's several kinds of paper out there uh, what is the name of that company um, Rodea or something like that I can't remember Rodea and then there's a, uh, those molluscan notebooks that people are real big on but apparently the paper is real high grade for those and uh, it lends itself to this phenomenon that people into fountain pens refer to as it's like writing on glass um, in other words, it's an extremely smooth writing experience, and that's what you want. But you know what? I, I don't always do that. Um, I actually buy journals, and so I uh, the, the quality of the paper in them sometimes is really good, sometimes it's not so good, and I just wing it. Uh, I have a lot of, like I said, a lot of inexpensive pens. Right now I'm using a pen that uh, cost me just under $5. Um, and I'm using, actually I'm trying to use up some of this cheap ink out I have. It was it was black ink and I was like, I've never heard of this before. And I just bought it on a whim because it was cheap. And uh, it's really not that bad. Um, it gets the job done. It's not my favorite, but... Uh, but yeah, it works. Um, I'll try to put some links in the show notes for uh, some some resources. There's a couple of guys on YouTube. I know there's uh, the Goulet Pen Company makes a lot of videos. They also have a store where they sell uh, fountain pens and, and related stuff. Uh, but they also make uh, like review videos of a lot of fountain pens and some instructional videos. Um, there is a guy named Stephen Brown who does, he has, uh, I think a couple of channels now, two or three, I don't know. He has an absolute ton of fountain pen videos and they're very good. Uh, he does reviews of fountain pens. He does writing samples with them. Um, and then, uh, there's also, uh, a guy, his channel's called The Pen Habit. And if you look up on YouTube, The Pen Habit, you can see his videos too. Uh, most of these are, you know, there's going to be a lot of pen reviews, but there's also, you're going to pick up the stuff, uh, the jargon and the parts of the pen and stuff. Um, some of these guys are very serious about their pens. I, 
there's there's a couple of pins out there I I wanted and kind of missed the boat on. Um, one of the pins that I really really wanted was an Edison Collier. Um, do yourself a favor and look that up. They actually still make that pin, but. Uh, I wanted it in a specific color called Steel Marble, which was absolutely gorgeous, and I don't think they make that anymore, sadly. Um, anyway, that's all for me. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.